Stand with me as we reverence God's Word in 1 Peter chapter 4. And while you're standing, I'm going to encourage you, you know, we had to make several changes in the service, and one of those changes is, you know, our meeting, greeting times, and welcome one another. But you haven't stood, and I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest that you take a good stretch because I hadn't preached in this pulpit in 11 weeks. You'll need to stretch in, amen? First <laughs> Peter chapter 4, and beginning in verse 7, the Bible says, But the end of all things, the apostle said, listen, But the end of all things is at hand. Isn't it amazing how even they lived in the expectations of Jesus' soon return? Inspired by the Holy Ghost, energized by the Holy Ghost, they believed in the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the apostles' message to the church was to understand that the end of all things is at hand. Folks, that message hasn't changed today. The end of all things is at hand. You know, the Bible says, and in fact this very apostle says, that at the end of time a lot of scoffers are going to come and they're going to question the Lord's return because, well, it's been some time since, you know, he went away. And so where is this promise? Where is this coming of the Lord? Now that's the world. Never so is that true in the church. And the reason that it's never so in the church is because the same Holy Ghost that lived inside of those apostles in the early church is the same Holy Ghost that lives within you and I. Isn't it amazing how at times, remember the Holy Spirit living within us, the responsibility and ministry of that Holy Spirit dwelling within us is to teach us all things concerning Christ. To remind us of the things of God. It's amazing how at times I look back over my life and I think, Myron, that, that when the Holy Spirit reminded me, hey, Jesus could come today. Amen? You see, that's the reason it's never forgotten within the church is because the Holy Spirit living within us is always reminding us Jesus is coming again. Jesus is returning. And as the apostle describes, the end of all things is at hand. And then he gives advice by saying, listen, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have reverent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen and amen. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
May God add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. As we continue upon this important subject of grace that we have been on for a couple of sermons now, I want to get right into the thought for today. Something that grace provides for you and I. As there are many things and many blessings that flow from this precious gift of grace that God has made available unto all people. And I've hammered that point home. God's grace, like God's sunshine, is available to all people. But within that grace are gifts and blessings within itself that we enjoy today. And one of those that is most precious unto every child of God who has received this gift is a freedom. A freedom. We don't preach about that often enough. I'm not so sure that we embrace it in the manner that we ought to as believers and the church and the family of God. But one of the things that the precious gift of God gives to us is freedom. Jesus said in John's Gospel and the 8th chapter and the 36th verse, Jesus said to the congregation that day, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus himself spoke about this freedom. Jesus himself spoke about being able to make people free indeed. Free indeed. But I say to you this morning that unless you understand and I understand what this freedom is, then it's impossible to be able to embrace it. Amen? If we don't have a clear understanding of what we're free from, then it's really difficult, even impossible, to get excited about the very freedom that Jesus is talking about and that the apostle is talking about within the Word of God. What are we free from? You see, you talk to any prisoner that has spent a number of years behind bars, boy, they understand freedom once they get it. Amen? And if you want to sit down and talk to them about what it is to be free, why they can fill you in. They can clue you in on what freedom is all about. You see, in order to embrace the freedom, you have to understand the slavery. You have to understand what we were imprisoned to. And only then can we embrace this incredible freedom that Jesus is speaking about. Amen? And so, in order to do that this morning, we got to look at another church. There was a New Testament church that struggled with the very same issue. There's a lot of people today that struggle with this same issue. 
there's no doubt that maybe even some of you that are in attendance, some of you that are catching us by Facebook Live, struggle with this same issue. If I've learned anything in being a, a minister for a number of years is that there's a lot of times folks struggle with understanding and struggle with accurate interpretation to what the Word of God says. And there's no subject more important to your understanding than this very subject. Yet, we find a New Testament church that struggled with it. If you'll turn with me for a moment in Galatians, in the book of Galatians, in the New Testament, in chapter 1, we'll begin to unfold this, and I'm going to move as quickly as possible. But in Galatians chapter 1, we begin to understand that the church in Galatia struggled with this very subject. And Paul writes to them and in the very first chapter of his letter in verse 6, and he says these words. He said, listen, I marvel that you are so, so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now Paul used that term unto another gospel. And then he says in verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul said, now listen, the gospel, listen, the word gospel means good news. And Paul is saying to this church, I marvel, I'm amazed that you are struggling with something as important as the grace of Christ. Did you notice that? That you be so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ. Marveled, he said. If a church, listen folks, give me attention. <laughs> if a church needs to understand anything, if a church must understand anything, it's the grace of Christ. If we don't understand the grace of Christ, then everything else is going to be a blur. Everything else, Billy, is going to be a struggle. If we don't embrace and clearly understand what the grace of Christ is all about, then, my friends, everything beyond that is going to be an issue. And so that's the reason the apostle couldn't ignore this the apostle just couldn't pretend it didn't exist. He had to address the struggling issue within this church. And so he does just that. Let me give you the core of why they struggle and why many people struggle today. And the core of re the reason many people struggle today is because of trying to understand the law of God versus the grace of God. Now you work with folks, you have friends, you have neighbors that struggle between the law of God and the grace of God. Because folks struggle with their interpretation to the law of God. 
I dare say that in your Christian walk, you have become frustrated before, either in yourself and your own understanding, or in somebody close to you, somebody you work with, in their understanding and interpretation to the law of God and to the grace of God. Now that was the core of the issue for this church, this New Testament church in Galatians. Let me get to it for just a moment. First of all, they had a wrong interpretation as to why the law of God was given. Look this way. If someone were to ask you, why did God give to us the Ten Commandments? How would you answer that question? If you spend any time witnessing, if you spend any time ministering the same grace that we've been preaching on, you're going to get asked that question in some form or another. What is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? Why did God on that holy mount, on two tablets of stone, give to Moses those Ten Commandments. And how you understand or explain or answer that question is going to determine whether or not you understand the grace of God. You see, for a lot of folks, when they understand or they think about the law of God, listen, they look to the law of God to make them better to make them better. The Ten Commandments were designed in their interpretation to make us better. Let me give you why God gave those Ten Commandments. The purpose of the Ten Commandments is to reveal what's wrong with us. Amen? Without the law, there is no knowledge of what? Sin. That's what the Bible says. Without the law, there is no knowledge of sin. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses on that holy mount and those two tablets of stone to reveal to folks, what's wrong with you? And you can go down the list of all ten. Amen? It's like going to the doctor. Amen? The last thing you and I want to do is go to the doctor. It's a last resort. We get sick. We think, oh, I'm going to tough this out. I'm going to wait this thing out. I'm going to get better. And then after a few days of not getting better, we decide we better call the doctor. And so we go to the doctor, and we go to the doctor so that the doctor can reveal to us what's wrong with us. Amen? You see, that's why they go to school all those years. That's why they spend all that time studying medicine so that they can be a revelation to patients what's wrong with them. Amen? And we expect our doctors to be accurate in that revelation, don't we? They don't always get it right. Because they're not the great physician, they're not perfect, amen. We still expect them to be. Tell me what's wrong with me, amen. But you know what that doctor can't do? That doctor can't make you better. 
He can tell you what's wrong with you. He can make suggestions or even prescriptions of, you know, the regular routine, medicine, eating better, exercising, dieting, taking care of yourself, you know. Most of those things we ignore. But the doctor doesn't have the power to make you a better person or to cure you or to heal you from your sickness and tell you what's wrong with you. But he doesn't have, you, have the power to make you better. How you live when you leave that doctor's office is on you. Whether you take your medicine, whether you eat better, whether you exercise, that's all you. Listen, the law of God is to reveal to us what's wrong. It was never designed to make you a better person. It doesn't have the power to make you a better person. It's like a mirror. Amen? A mirror can reveal to you your wrinkles and blemishes. Amen? A mirror can reveal for you if you got something stuck between your teeth. A mirror can reveal to me how ugly I am, but it can't make me beautiful. Even though I argue with it and tell it I'm beautiful anyway. The law is the same way. It reveals to us what's wrong with us, but it doesn't have the power to change us and make us better. And if you're looking to the law to make you a better person, then you're looking to it for what it does not have the power to do. And many in the church was doing just that. And many in our today's society makes the same mistake. Now listen. I got to move on. I'm done. Paul took up this subject even greater for the church in chapter 5 and verse 3. Notice this. In chapter 5 and verse 3, he says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised. Now listen. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the what? Whole law. Amen. He is a debtor to do the whole law. You see what Paul is saying, you don't get to pick and choose. Amen. The Ten Commandments are not pick and choose which ones you like and which ones you can keep and which ones you can't keep. It was never designed for pick and choose. Well, I do pretty good with five of them, but mm, the other five I struggle with. I'm pretty good with seven of them, but boy, they three of them. Hmm. And Paul wanted the church to understand and wants you to understand it's not a pick and choose. If you're going to live according to the law, then you are responsible, accountable to do the whole law. All ten. All ten. Now I want to I wanna close real quick. I've talked to a lot of folks over the years since the Lord saved me. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. I've had a lot of group time talking with folks about this very subject. And I've never found one person yet, Barbara, that I've talked to, that I've interviewed, I've never found one person yet, Earl, to tell me that they were able to keep and fulfill all ten commandments their whole life. 
I just start going down the list. Hey, have you ever stole anything in your life? You ever stole anything in your life? Taking something that didn't belong to you? Amen. One time, Carlene's mom and daddy thought I did. You get that after a while. Have you ever told a lie? Amen. Have you ever dishonored mom and daddy? Sometime or another? Out with your friends? Nobody watching? Nobody looking? You knew better? You did it. Mom and daddy told you better. But you did it anyway. Amen. You ever broken the Sabbath? See, that's a Ten Commandments. You ever worshipped anything before God? You see, I can go down the list and everybody with an honest heart, somewhere there's a flaw. Somewhere there's a breakage in the law. And the apostle says, you're a debtor to do the whole law. So just one, just one time, breaking just one law, you're guilty. And you see, that's what the law was designed to do, was to reveal to all people that we are guilty. Amen? That we are guilty. And there's nothing that we can do, there's nothing possible we can do to not be guilty. Amen? You can't go back and redo and so the Word of God makes it abundantly clear that in the courtroom of God, and that's the only courtroom that really matters, in the courtroom of God, just based on the Ten Commandments, we're sick. We are sick. We've broken His commandments. And once you understand that, then, and only then, will you understand the beauty of grace. Not only the beauty of grace, but the beauty of the freedom grace provides. You see, the apostle writes about that, and I, this is it, and I'm done, but in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, the apostle says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Aren't you glad of that? Get a Lord of hands, you've been quiet too long. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. <laughs> Where only peace matters, we have peace with God. Amen? Hallelujah. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, Verse 2, he says, By whom also we have access by faith into what? This grace. Grace is that favor that we don't deserve. That favor we don't deserve. He says, listen, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope. Don't tell me not to rejoice. Because the law of God has thoroughly and completely condemned me 
but the grace of God set me free from that condemnation. The apostle closes in Romans chapter 8, one of our favorite verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. No! Did you get that? You see, it has to be no. Right? It has to be no condemnation or we're still condemned. You can't have it both ways. And the apostle says, listen, there is therefore now no condemnation, condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Whoo! I'm about to have a spell. I want you to bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me as we close. The apostle says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The negative side of that coin is simply that if you're not in Christ Jesus, as Jesus himself said, you're condemned already. Amen? So in Christ, we're either no longer under condemnation. Apart from Christ, we're still under condemnation. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Those sitting in this sanctuary, those listening by FM transmitter, those on Facebook, I want you to listen real close to my final thought, this final truth. You will never, you will never cheat. You will never fake. You will never escape the courtroom of God. Now you can take that to the bank. You might trick everybody else. You might beat everybody else. You may beat today's justice system. Money may buy you out of trouble. Here. Great lawyers may get you out of trouble here. But nothing or no one will provide an escape for you in the courtroom justice of God. And apart from Christ, apart from God's gift of grace, you're guilty. You're guilty. I don't care if it's one commandment. I don't care if it's 10 million times a commandment. You're still guilty. And you will not escape his courtroom and his judgment. You see, I'm free today from that condemnation. You that have received the gift of grace are free from that condemnation. You're free from that judgment. You are free from that punishment, which is a devil's hell. Don't tell me not to get excited about my freedom that Jesus came to provide. Stand with me. 
as we stand, heads bowed, Barbara's just going to play, and, and we, we decided prayerfully together as deacons and myself, we cannot close the altar of God. Listen, I'll do without congregational singing for a while. I'll do without Sunday school for a while. I'll do without Awana for a while. I'll do without shaking your hand and hugging your neck for a while, but I cannot close this altar. It belongs to God. And if you have a need at this altar, this altar is open to you. Amen? We'll pray with you. Whatever need you may have, we will pray for you. Continue to pray for one another. Continue to pray for Mike and Brenda. i got to mention Colleen in my prayers. I know her family is here with us today. We're praying for her. She's still in critical condition at Pruitt's. Uh, still a real, a real critical low blood pressure. We will continue to lift that family at the throne of grace as well. But if you're here today and you need to be saved, you need to enter for the first time a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this altar is open.